Hey guys, I know you're used to hearing music is the first thing, but on today's episode, I needed to let you know of something before you got into it. Basically, we had some issues with this episode. We record remotely, which means that most of the time, my guest and even my co-host are not even in the same state. So as a result, sometimes we have a little bit of what's called audio drift, where our three different audio uh, files, streams, don't sync up 100%. And that happened in this episode about halfway through. So near the halfway mark, and from then on, there might be times where it sounds a little bit disjointed, or sometimes it sounds like we're talking over each other, um, and that's due to some technical difficulties. I did my best to edit it to where you could still hear most of what we were talking about and hear most of Alex's story, but I wanted to warn you beforehand to expect some of that at about the halfway mark and on through the, the rest of the episode. The other thing I wanted to let you know is that we're also putting in the description the minute marker that our guest's interview starts in case you run out of time since sometimes our podcasts go a little long. Sorry about that. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I am your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. Byron, do you remember what we need to apologize for on this episode? Well, for sure, I need to apologize about how I sound. My (laughs) allergies are killing me, and it's messing up my throat, and I sound like garbage. Um, And you'll probably get some nasally noises in here and some coughing, so if that, I apologize ahead of time for just sounding terrible. Well, it's probably your own fault because you're a millennial and you ruined podcasts. That's yeah, going to be the newest headline. Because, like, allergies are my fault. Yeah. That's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> no, for real. There's two things that I can remember that we probably need to apologize for. Um, one, in the last two episodes in particular, Cody's and Anna's, uh, it may have been yeah. expressed by you that I or us – we are generally very rude to our guests, especially during the <laughs> how millennial uh, are you question period. And so uh, it may but come we, up- do, we do prep them, though, and tell them like the whole point is to point out stereotypes. So it's not like they're going in blind. No. And we're not actually trying to be rude. And there's a there's a few like last week's. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty rough. Um, Sorry, was, Anna. Some of my questions were really rough and I don't even know her personally. Like I've never <laughs> met her in person. And I felt bad. And Jacoby's was rough too because we didn't know him at all. Like we just knew him through the internet. No, but so, the one we just the one with Cody too you, was the one. Oh, you, I know. You I specifically know. were like, man, you just like being rude to our guests. And I'm like, well, maybe for Cody, I knew him really well. Well, so. no, that's not the questions though. The way you say things is how <laughs> what I'm calling you out for. <laughs> so but sorry. Our questions are rough too. Yeah, no. So it's we're both. We're sorry for that. And then one extra final apology, and that is to our very good friend. A friend of the show, Ryan Alba. One of our was he our first? He's one of our first guests, right? He's is one he of our. First? No, he's not our first. Okay. Oh, guest. Will was the first, which I ignore because he's my brother. He doesn't really count. He was like on episode six or seven. Oh, is that okay? Is that that far um, in? But basically, we've been alluding to the fact that every millennial male on the show has a beard, and Ryan doesn't. And he said he it's claims not, it's not for the lack can't of trying. grow one. But here's the thing. I, I've known Ryan a long time. I could have swore I've seen him with a beard at some point, but I guess I'm just wrong. 
Like, I thought he's had a beard off and on. I know he's been clean shaven a lot, too, but, like, I thought he had a beard. So, yeah, that one, we're sorry, Brian. That's that's our bad. We've been worried that maybe we can't continue the segment because we're getting better at podcasting, but clearly we are not. So, once again, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to start the show off right with an apology. So, we're sorry. We're so sorry, everyone. We now apologize. That, now that we've gotten past that, we're, we're going to be a little more normal, I guess, and have a sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Audible. It's literally, well, I shouldn't say this, but it's probably the only sponsor I really like and I use all the time, but it's mostly because I have children and sitting and reading a book is very difficult, but I can have like an earbud in my ear and be listening to a book and sort of absorb what is being said, even if I'm like doing dishes or chasing after gremlins. That's what I affectionately lovingly refer to my children as um and uh we have a trial you can you can sign up with our link it's in the description but it's audibletrial.com slash millennial pastor and you can get a 30-day free trial and i think you get like a book or two for free as well which is i believe it's one book okay which is pretty cool i mean it's kind of no downside to that plus you might actually find out that you can read better there's a times two or 1.5 speed so you can listen to a book but the, the speed of the reader is sped up, so you can actually listen to it faster. It takes a little practice, takes a little doing, um, but it's very useful, especially if you're trying to efficiently read a book during, say, I don't know, nap time. It's the only time I read anything, and I don't know if it's even going to count as reading. So anyways, try it out. It's awesome. Helps out the podcast. Sponsorship over. Are you ready, Byron? I think we need to issue another apology, though. Um... Uh-oh. You need to apologize to Anchor because you said Audible is the only one you use regularly, but we're literally using Anchor right this second. Uh, You're the worst, Josiah. Moving on. Let's introduce our guest. Sorry, Anchor. So, as always, (laughs) we're millennials, and we like to talk with other millennials about things like faith and culture. So, on the show today, we have Alex. Alex, you there? Yeah, man. What's up? Thank you for being here. Not much. Thanks. You know, I like this idea of, like, starting off the show by apologizing. I think I'm going to start doing that on Sunday mornings now with my people. <laughs> start, let's start apologizing for something. Like, all right, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for me to apologize for something I said or did last week that you didn't like. <laughs> so, right, it's the way to do it. I mean, it endears you to your audience, I think. So, so it just saves me a lot of personal time where I have to be one-on-one with people. Oh so. <laughs> Speaking of... Alex, would you give us a little more about you, your, if you want, your full name, your location? Yeah, yeah. Uh, social security number. All of that, uh, yeah. List of fears. Exactly. Mother's maiden name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but especially uh, your age and location, though. For Sure, sure. Um, hello there, world. My name is Alex. <laughs> I'm originally from Topeka, Kansas, and I'm currently in Leavenworth, Kansas, which is about an hour to the northeast of where I grew up. So I am a lifelong northeast kansas person um should i put like a gofundme link for everybody who pities me at this point oh my goodness i think i can make a lot of money (laughs) these are millennials Um, they don't have money (laughs) yeah um so uh uh man i feel like i feel like i give you my age i sound like matt foley from saturday night Live. i'm 27 years old (laughs) i'm thrice divorced Oh my no, uh, I'm not divorced. I'm uh, married to another person whose name is also Alex. So I got that going for me. That's cool. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we have uh, one 10 month old daughter and uh, we are pastoring uh, together in Leavenworth, Kansas at the first 
parentheses and only close parentheses church of the nazarene so uh, <laughs> but uh, just in case in case another yeah, one springs just, up you got to be able to say you were there first that's right we got to be able to say that we're we're there first i want to plant a uh, second church of the nazarene so bad somewhere <laughs> <laughs> just like we're not the we'll first one it. but we're do here right after we change the name my people have talked about like changing the name sometime so that would just be the coolest of ironies for them <laughs> oh. so you actually are 27 though i'm going to assume. i am 27 yeah so that puts you uh pretty squarely in this generation of said millennials yep i've, I've got a i've got a few years uh behind me that uh, kind of make up the tail end but uh i'm uh, i'm part of that millennial generation that did not see the berlin wall fall but but definitely saw 9 11 hmm. so interesting so do you think you are a stereotypical millennial no no i i don't think so um i'm i'm i may be closer uh, though I abhor the thought of, of being a stereotypical like hipster. Um, <laughs> that might be one of the same sometimes. Well, yeah, I, but I don't see, I don't try to be a hipster. You know, I, I it's uh It's your birthright. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just, you know what? They took, they took everything from me at this point. They've taken vinyl. They've taken uh, classic rock. They've taken flannel shirts. You know what? I grew up in the nineties and I've not ever lost that sense of style, but now that's what the hipster has taken too. So, you know, it's, I think you're kind of outing yourself actually. It sounds pretty millennial. I I tell you, I, it's not by choice. It's not (laughs) by choice. I've, I just, I just haven't bought clothes in like five years. That's all, man. I don't look, I look like trash because I don't want to go out and buy clothes. Well, normally what we do is we, we start off this game. How millennial are you with, just a back and forth series of 10 questions, which are geared, but we're not doing that. We're actually changing it up today, but generally they're geared at you in a very stereotypical way where we just assume things about you based on the world's assumptions and based on how the world likes to stereotype. So we would ask all sorts of questions. One of them, which is the one we apologize for is since you're a male and a millennial, we would just generally assume you have a beard and you watch YouTube and use beard oil to maintain your beard. So you get, you get tips on YouTube on how to apply it and cut your beard and all that stuff. So we just operate based on stereotypes as a form of confronting said stereotypes because stereotypes are not always helpful. So wait, wait, what's beard oil for? To help control I for guess. your beard, Alex. Come on. It, it, I mean, <laughs> sorry. But Get what could you possibly do that for? What are you? What are you planning on going like luging with your face later? I mean, what? What do you need beard oil for? I mean, I've been told. I asked somebody that used it, and it, it's almost like a conditioner sort of a thing, I guess, where it just helps kind of control an unruly beard. But I really. <laughs> don't know honestly oh my gosh i've never uh, used it once so. so 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 am i supposed to answer that question now no no, no 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 so we're playing a different version of the game today we're actually going to do it's a two-part game show the first part are going to be some standard questions but they're basically you are going to be put in the position of having to defend why millennials are the way they are so it's kind of similar to what we've done in the past but then the second half of the game show is going to be you have to try to figure out which headline is the real headline? And we're going to give you um, three headlines at a time. And they're all about millennials. Two are fake and one is real. So it's going okay. to be a little bit different from what we normally do. So are you game? Yeah, yeah. this sounds like like an Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird kind of <laughs> deal mixed with like uh, Jimmy Fallon's like Two Lies game. Sounds like <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Maybe it uh, is. I dig it. I dig it. All right, so let's play. 
How millennial are you? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first first part is questions. So, Alex, as a millennial, as a representative of your generation, how yeah. did you how did you take the possible border shutdown and this whole avocado shortage that was staring you straight in the face? Were you devastated? No, I, I'm actually pro-avocado shortage um, because uh, I have a food sensitivity to avocados. Oh my goodness, we found another one. It, found, it causes my esophagus to like swell. Not completely shut, but most of the way so that I can't eat anything for like an hour and a half. Uh, and usually after a nap because I have to take Benadryl. So, wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so you only eat it for dessert? <laughs> uh, only eat it. Yeah, yeah. And the ice cream is like Tom Brady. Well, we generally have this... Uh, I mean, obviously, millennials couldn't care about anything else that would be affected from a border shutdown, right? Not like human life or the economy no, 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 only. No, no, no. This isn't a, a morality thing. It hasn't been a morality thing since, like, Reagan, I think. So we're all good. Just, just, we just care about avocados. All right, next question, yeah. Byron. Go. All right. How many LaCroix or uh, sparkling, sparkling water, you know, some, something generic are in your fridge currently? All right, so um, uh, there's going to be like a trick response to that. None, <laughs> because um, my wife would never let me have that in the house because of the whole LaCroix thing can cause like illness, cancer, all of that stuff. And, and the, the, the spin on this, like the, the <coughs> Invite Shyamalan deal to this, is uh, my wife actually sells for Arbon, which is a uh, health and wellness company that's like – uh, totally vegan and like gluten free and all that stuff. So instead of drinking LaCroix or all that other stuff, and instead of drinking soda, like a barbarian, I used to be a barbarian, uh, we drink what's called fizz. It's in a powder and it, it yep. tastes like um, a pixie stick powder. So, so you were baselining pixie stick powder, basically. Uh, we put it in water and it fizzes up, hence the name. And, and we drink it, and it actually tastes really good. It tastes carbonated, but it's not. So go figure that. So how many of those do you have? How, well, okay, so they come in, like, large packs of, like, I don't know, 30. Uh, so I don't know how many we currently have now, but it's at least 20. And I, I usually have one one a day. So it's a, in some weird way, you're, like, taking the millennial thing to the next level because not only do you have so many of these on hand, you, it's actually, like – one of these sparkling fizzy drinks that you make yourself. Yeah, man, I, I have to mix it together with a straw, and uh, and uh, it's it's crazy. It gives me a good. It's a it's a B twelve supplement too, so it's even it's healthy too. Man, asterisk. It's healthy <laughs> until we find out it's not. <laughs> until we exactly until we find out everything's healthy until. Oh wait, never mind. We were wrong. Hey, hey. The, the Arbonne is, is regulated by the European Union. I've got like the whole stump speech stuff. Oh, my guys. goodness. I mean, that, that needs to be your next sponsor is Arbonne because I will come on and give you a plug. I've heard the whole thing. I dream about it at nighttime. It haunts me. Well, it's, it's, you, can hook, you can hook it up for us if you would like. I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. You ready for the next question? Yo. Why do you spend more on coffee than your retirement? <laughs> okay, that is pretty close to home. Uh, <laughs> that is pretty close to home. Um, I use the uh, uh, Nazarene retirement account, and uh, believe you me, sir, it it contributes 
more than like a penny to my uh, retirement account. It's like two pennies. Okay. It's awesome. And second, <laughs> I've already told my congregants who are all like relatively over the age of 65 that uh, uh, I don't plan on making it to 64 because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident we're not going to have a healthcare system by then. And I'm going to be on my own and I don't want to live in that sort of Mad Max dystopian future. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm not going to fall apart like that. So hmm. uh, I'm putting a cap on this thing called life. And uh, at 64. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you do have a 10 month old though. So yeah, she, she'll be, uh, she'll be uh, 18 by the time I'm, uh, what is it, 45. And then I've got, I've got another 19 years. She'll be 37. So she'll she... be wanting me dead by then. Oh my goodness. Well, but if you're <laughs> so talking basically... about being a Mad Max future though, like <laughs> you might be dead, but then she's living in a Mad Max future. So maybe make sure she becomes a mechanic or something. Well, she's, she's already like physically stronger than me right now, oh, so well, she'll be cool. she'll be good. She'll be she'll be all right. Yeah. Teach her how to be a gladiator and also how to be a mechanic. Those are two skills she'll definitely need in Mad Max future. Wow, we went so, from we went no from joke. coffee to gladiator. <laughs> no joke, we have uh, we teach her these little chants to clap along with and develop rhythm. And one of them is uh, I say the same thing over and over again in the same cadence, and then the next verse of it is uh, a, a development in the sequence where she's a, a UFC fighter. So it goes from, like, her name's Francis. I say, go, Frank, go. The next sequence, it's beat them up. The following sequence is choke them out. Wow. After that is make them tap. Then it's win the fight, raise your hand. And then after the whole Conor McGregor, uh, Khabib incident where Khabib jumped the cage and, like, tried to fight McGregor in the crowd – we added some elements of that too. So we're already raising her to be a to, warrior, to, apparently to get these hands, man. Awesome. <laughs> wow. To get these hands. <clears throat> so you spend coffee like it's going out of, spend money on coffee. Like it's going out of style. You make hey, your man, climate change will affect coffee. So I got to get it. While I can. <laughs> you make your own sparkling beverage and you hate avocados. You're two out of three. All right. So, yeah. so let's go yeah. on to the next and brand new segment, which is the guess which headline is real. Are you ready? Yep, yep. All right. So I'm going to give you three headlines in a row. One, two of which are fake, one is real. And all you have to do is pick which one is fake or pick which one is real. So here we go. After outcry over avocados, Trump backs down on on border closure. That's the first one. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Millennials spending big on arts. And the third one is millennials have killed pet breeding. (laughs) <laughs> oh man oh, oh those are all pretty well except for the first one i feel like they're all pretty valid um, <laughs> uh, i'm gonna say the pet breeding one i think that's real why why do you think it's real why uh because there's such a there's such an outcry and a concern like uh i i'm i'm scared to use the i'm scared to tell people that uh the first family dog that i ever had it was technically my sister's but it was the first family dog i remember having we got from petland I'm afraid to use that now because then it's going to lead into some big like diatribe against Petland, which I, I'm not saying they don't deserve it or anything like that. But I'm like, ah, you know what? That dachshund is not worth that can of worms. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it's not going to happen, man. So that's I, I can see that. I just I feel like I feel like there's a there's a deeper care for animals, which I'm all about. It's all cool. I dig it. But yeah, I think it's that one. You are incorrect, sir. Ah. It is millennials spent big on art. So, ah. so according to uh, Bloomberg, 
And I don't know if this is over the last year or the last couple of years, but millennials have dropped twenty six million on Simpsons art alone. What Simpsons themed art? Just that's what it says. In, in Homer more, Simpson. It's a not, video. Not the Simpsons family. No, so just like Simpsons themed artwork. So anything to do with the show, The Simpsons. Yeah. So millennials, and I guess that I would assume Man. over the past ten to twenty years since we've what had a waste money, of money. <laughs> twenty six million has been spent on Simpsons art. So that's. Well, they said back in the day that that whole Simpsons like racing video game was a waste of time. Obviously not. Obviously, that is paying dividends. <laughs> All right. Remember that, that terrible piece of crap game, that, that Simpsons like racing game? It was like Mario Kart. I do, Carvin, I do like, actually remember. I played it, it for like two minutes, and then I said, this is dumb. Yeah. However, their yeah. arcade game was fantastic. We have four oh, yeah, people yeah, playing it. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. All right. You ready for the next set of headlines? Let's do it. All right. Again, I'm going to give you three. You pick which one you think it is, and we would love to hear why. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Burned out millennials take on alternative work lifestyles or are millennials killing theme parks or why millennials love knitting? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. Let's see. Um, what was the first one again? Burned out millennials take on alternative work lifestyles. Hmm. I I think I have a feeling that it's that one. Um, not because I think it's very plausible or very widespread, but because I remember reading about uh, like mental health days becoming more of a thing, uh, and uh, in, in certain. Uh, more innovative companies kind of taking on some of those things. So I, I don't know. I don't know who wrote the article or what website it comes from, but I'm going to say that one. I'm just, I'm feeling lucky. Bing, 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 bing. We need to come oh, up with yeah. like a, some sort of soundbite, yeah, which actually is like you win. So it's an ABC news story and it's basically almost exactly what you were talking about. One of the quotes from it is this, uh, this woman who's being profiled, who's 26. Um, she basically said, I started getting, a little tired of just the same nine to five routine. And it kind of goes into a lot of that stuff you're talking about, just, you know, telecommunicating and, and working from home and all that stuff. So good job, Alex. You so you're going to happen in the church. Uh, I, I don't know how that would actually work. So just tell them, Hey, I'm, I'm taking a mental health day. <laughs> well, why don't you try it? Why don't you try it and let us know? Just yeah, say I'd that the it. office is closed that day and people ask so, you why they had a thing to deal with. Now, you see, then what will happen is the prayer chain will, will get lit up and I'll get tons of texts <laughs> from people saying they're praying for me. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, I, but is actually, that bad? I mean, I have a fun it's story good to be of, prayed for, I guess. It's <laughs> good to be prayed for, but I, the whole point is I kind of just wanted to get away from everybody. Then I get my phone back and I got 107 praying for you. And, you know, sometimes my people don't text <laughs> very well. So it's missing punctuation and I don't know where, where the sentence is. Or it's all, all in caps. Stuff, but, Prayed yeah. for you. So, yeah. quick, yeah. quick sidebar story <laughs> about prayer chains. This is probably the funniest and most annoying prayer chain story I've ever lived through. I actually had a complaint about me sent through our prayer chain, <laughs> and they were literally which the, was fantastic. The prayer request was literally so someone praying on my for me on my behalf that I would just be a better preacher, and that. <laughs> 
that I would basically, so like we had some sort of family, family oriented service and uh, we do that once a month where kids are invited. So I like play videos and stuff like that. And I played a video of Russell Wilson, who's the, you know, quarterback yeah. for the Seahawks. And that's my neck. Yeah, of we're woods. related. No, you're not. <laughs> and uh, it was just about embodying hope on that particular day. And so he goes to see Seattle Children's Hospital every week. And it was already a big deal. I'm not a Seahawks fan. I'm a Cardinals fan. So it was just like, you know, I'm showing this because it's actually worth seeing. And I made that point very clear. And it was just that he was actually embodying hope. And just he, he goes and visits the cancer ward. And these kids, their day is brightened up. And they just, you know, it just gives them a big boost. And so I said, this is what it looks like to be like Jesus, to embody hope, to share love in a tangible way. So the prayer request was that I would actually preach more about Jesus and stop talking so much about football people. Like, <laughs> it was pretty great. So it was a complaint about me in the form of a prayer request about me to be a better preacher slash pastor. Pretty that's, great. That's amazing. Lord, Lord, please help my pastor grow up. <laughs> pretty much. I, I mean, I'm not, and, and they knew I got the prayer request. So that was special. Anyways. All right. So story over. We need to go. You're one and one right now. So let's see if you can, uh, let's see if all either right. you totally lose and you don't know millennials very well, or you win and you can understand what's going on in the headlines. So this is your final three. So here we go. Five right. strategies for getting your millennial child to move out. <laughs> how millennials killed Taco Bell. And the last one is how millennials are changing the stock market for the better. What was the second one about Taco Bell? How millennials have killed Taco Bell. That one's kind of generic. Just any like any fast food. Like we've been, <coughs> to, you know, oh, okay. killing all kinds of restaurants. But yeah, like this one is particularly about Taco Bell itself, but. That's that's a really gripping headline because I would have expected to read one that says like how Taco Bell killed us. You know, <laughs> up, and... Well, if, if you've heard almost weekly, we share some headline about how we've killed something like a week or two. <laughs> a, a week or two ago, we were blamed for killing J. Crew. So, oh, well, J. Crew deserved to die. I mean, I'm. Look, I'm not very pro death penalty in any sense, but <laughs> but J. Crew apparently I, I pulled a lever on J. Crew. I'm <laughs> I'm glad to see it die. Well, now Taco Bell's like the seventh Infinity Stone. It's it's the one that just <laughs> obliterates you. So I'm gonna rule that one out. I'm gonna rule that one out. Affecting uh, the stock market for the better. That assumes that we know the stock market. We don't even know how to play Monopoly anymore. <laughs> well, that's why they made a millennial uh, version of the game. Yeah. What, so what, what was the first one again? The, the moving out of the house. So five strategies for getting your millennial child to move out. Now that one's not directed at us or at, you know, it's, you know, it's for our parents obviously, but right, right, right. But it's still a news headline. So. Huh? That one's very, very plausible. <laughs> it seems too plausible. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? Against my better judgment, I'm going with the T-Bell one, man. You think that the, the Taco Bell one is the real one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with the T-Bell one. It's a wild card, I know, but I like it. Well, I'll just say you should have trusted your instincts. Ah, that is incorrect. It was, the, it was the moving out of the house one? No. It was how we changed the stock market for the better. Ah, right? Ah, That's so implausible. Yes, yes. If someone's actually saying we're doing something good. <laughs> That that was yeah. yeah that was the setup really like you sh you shouldn't have gotten that one. So according <laughs> that's, that's this is true. this is the story. It's New York Post and it says according to new research, nearly seven in ten millennials are investing financially in something. 
And part of it has to do with um, how we're much more technologically savvy. So we're investing in like tech sectors, which is kind of a big deal because obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the tech sector? <laughs> I, I think I have a friend who's got a tech sector growing in his garage right now. Is that what a tech sector is? <laughs> a old startup. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I saw those guys doing it in the big short and they made a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. And I don't know. You'd have to talk. So, like, part of it was in conjunction with Ally, which is just a, uh, right. an investment company or whatever. But yeah. it, they break it down. So it's, it's a New York Post thing that's using some Ally um, research, which is really interesting. So, anyways, uh, so, Alex, according to the stereotypical questions, you're two for three. But you're only one for two, one for three in the guess which is real section of our new game. Did you? Well, you know, I just I like to I like to put my money on wild cards, man. I'm <laughs> I'm so well, I, I'm glad that you you played this new game. How, how do you feel about it? Did you like it? Was it? Inter- I you know, I feel so much more understood. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna take my mental health day tomorrow because I feel rejuvenated by it. Well, we're so glad. Uh, the reason, again, we play these games is because so much of these things do more to dehumanize and labels are reserved for things, but, but people such as millennials have names. And you, Alex, we could, we could reduce you to a stereotype or we could choose, like we're going to in this episode, to get to know you better. So briefly, before we get into some generals, uh, just give us, give us a little bit of how you got to be a lead pastor, give us your schooling, and then also how long you've been in your current position in Leavenworth. Sure. Well, let's see. Um, I like to think that my story and Forrest Gump's story kind of are like the same story. I just kind of <laughs> fell into the lead pastorship while being a part of historical moments that changed the course of history. <laughs> so you were just running no. and someone. It, yeah. <laughs> I just felt like running. Um, no, uh, I, uh, I grew up, um, in a Christian home, you know, I'm, I'm one of many people who would probably say that there, there wasn't really a time where, uh, in my, in my conscious younger self, which I think goes all the way back to four years of age, everything before that I'm not responsible for. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I remember, I just remember being in a household that went to church on Sundays that knew about Jesus. Um, when I was like four or no, when I was five, five or six, um, I was at a, a VBS at a, a kind of a mega church where I was, uh, where I'm from, it's Pika. And uh, that's where they took us into a small room and uh, they talked to us about Jesus and then asked if anybody wanted to commit their lives to him. So I said, okay, let's, let's do this thing. And then um, uh, a few years later, I continued going to the church with my parents and uh, um, was baptized when I was in sixth grade. It was supposed to be in fifth grade, um, but the day of the baptismal service, it was like it was like the last Sunday school uh, of the year before we moved up to our next grade level. And so one of my buddies had a uh, party at his house and he had a uh, in-ground swimming pool with a basketball goal and we were all dunking on it and it fell and hit me in the face. Um, so I had to get stitches and I couldn't get baptized that day. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's, that's a fun story about my life that just keeps reoccurring. Things keep falling on me and hitting me. That's um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Um, so then, uh, I continued, uh, going to church. We ended up leaving that, that church, um, 
uh, oddly enough, for, for political reasons, uh, church was um, getting a little bit too, uh, too conservatively political, like, like publicly, like from, from the pulpit, from uh, the, the entryway of the church, you know, handing out voter, voter guidelines for elections, having um, federal politicians that represent the state of Kansas coming to speak on Sunday mornings. Interesting. Um, which is, uh, you know, unique. And, and eventually uh, uh, it was my, my dad ended up running afoul of some of the people in the leadership. Uh, he's a, he was, he's retired now a uh, public high school teacher for 39 years. And so he, he objected and one thing led to another and we ended up leaving the church and found our way to a church of the Nazarene where uh, I uh, began my middle school years at and uh, went there, was, was in youth group for a while, kind of fell out of that um, because uh, uh, there were some of the, the older kids who were kind of the main hierarchy of the youth group I just didn't really get along with. And so uh, I really stopped going to uh, youth group part of church uh, for most of my high school years. Um, and then uh, uh, still went to church, still, still went every Sunday, still did all of that stuff. Um, had, a, had an appendicitis at the church, started having one at the church. And, and had surgery that night. I remember it was the, the year the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season. So uh, that was a terrible year for two reasons. <laughs> um, and then uh, I decided, um, well, after, after being in high school and kind of going through a time, I think, of just depression, you know, not really, not really knowing who I was, uh, not really uh, feeling like I, I cared too much for myself. You know, I, I went to a different school. Um, went to a different high school than, than the school district I'd grown up with. Uh, so I had made all new friends uh, starting my freshman year at high school that, that were supposed to last me for four years. And then uh, 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 got through all of that stuff, uh, ended up going to um, went to State University to study history because I really, really love history, and uh, joined a fraternity, uh, lived in that lifestyle, didn't necessarily partake of it all that much. Uh, I was the guy that was... Um, hauling uh all of the half half alive carcasses home at the end of the night um, so thoughtful of you yeah I, I had one of my fraternity brothers while he was blacked out drunk show me how to administer his insulin um oh no which, which was which was really fun the best part was his roommate uh was was behind him and was also drunk and he's the kind of drunk when he when he's drunk he dances he just likes to stand in place and dance and so he was mimicking everything all right so you put that needle in there okay then you throw it across the room okay we're following <laughs> we're following so i learned how to do that um and and it was while i was like coping with the 24 7 outrageousness that was my fraternity house i mean it was it was uh, pretty much all the time it, it got a little bit out of control um that i i started to uh um, just really read the bible and and from uh, not, not that I hadn't read it before. I'd been a Bible memorizer for church and all of that stuff. But I, I started to feel a sense of calling when I'd read scripture. Uh, ended up visiting Mid-America Nazarene University uh, in the middle of the school year uh, before, before the spring semester. Decided to transfer there the, the, the following fall semester. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do music ministry because I, I really love music ministry. I'd been doing that. Then within a year, I was like, all right. I'm not called to music ministry. I know that. I just not not because I didn't take any of the classes and, and didn't do any well didn't do well in any of the classes. Um, I, I excelled in my ministry classes, but I just knew I wasn't called to that form of ministry. So then I was like, all right, 
I really like compassionate ministries, really socially and politically minded. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to work in compassionate ministry. So focused on that for the next three years. I uh, even got my minor in social justice, uh, which the name of that minor has not aged well um, for, for, for folks like me. And then uh, decided to go to seminary because I didn't really know what to do uh, or what, I was, what God was calling me to. But I knew if I went to seminary and got my MDiv, it was probably going to help me either way. And it was partway through seminary that I started to feel called to uh, work in uh, pastoral ministry. Uh, I felt God telling me, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks who can do uh, the compassionate ministry side that you're really passionate about, um, just as good, if not better than you. But we need we need more bridge builders. We need more people to to care about uh, not only our congregations, but also to to build bridges between them and the outside world that they've done a pretty good job of guarding themselves uh, from. And uh, I said, OK, God, uh, if that's what you want me to do, we'll see how long this lasts. And uh, uh, said yes to that and uh, uh, got married a month after graduating. Uh, and you graduated from NTS, right? Nazarene Theological Nazarene Seminary. Theological Seminary. Go Panthers. <laughs> uh, Which by, yeah, no, what? Which, by the way, um, Brent. I wish we could have a mascot. Brent blames you for the, <laughs> for the record. Brent blames you. Um, it should be said. Uh, I met Alex and Brent in our cohort. We've given them shout outs, uh, mentoring for ministry through NTS. Um, Brent, Brent is the one that apparently just championed it, but he blames you for the whole, Oh, Josiah didn't go to seminary. So don't, don't use big words. I just want you to know that he, in in the ride to the airport, he basically said, I don't think I started that. I'm pretty sure that was Alex. (laughs) I just want you to know that. no, 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 no. Now, what I did is I, I started making fun of Hunter from being from Arkansas because he's got his accent, and I started that, and Brent fully hopped on board. In fact, Brent's pretty much piloting that ship by himself, too. I did not do the making fun of you. Now, I may have been the first one to, uh, to crack the first harshest joke because we were sitting out <laughs> by that Starbucks, but it was only after somebody else had introduced the prompt, if you will, like, do you know what that word means, Josiah? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then I, I hopped on. So, yeah. So you're going to blame Brent for that? You're going to say no? I, I don't, I'm not going to blame. I don't know who started It's one of you it. two. It wasn't me. It's one of you guys. Because I do what? remember we were all sitting at a Starbucks in Oklahoma City. And one of y'all was like, oh, Josiah, I know you didn't go to seminary. But. And it was, it was one of the two of <laughs> you. Because know, okay, so Hunter is too nice. Let me, let me qualify it. Let me qualify it. I may have been in, in some response I was giving to whatever we were talking about. I may have said a word and then I may have paused and said, by the way, Josiah, that means that. But that's, that's <laughs> the only that's that's the extent to which I did it. I'm not the one like Brent who at every opportunity uh, glances over at you and prepares to launch his uh, his vicious. Um, you didn't go to seminary attack. I, I, I got my one shot in and then I was good. We just man. had we just had our cohort like last week and um it was actually interesting because I don't think any of that snidiness was happening. And if anything, the president of NTS, Jaron Rao, was at a lunch with us. And Brent did say, it's your chance. He's the one in charge. You should talk to him. And I said, I don't know how to do that. You're going to have to walk me through it just as my snide retort back. So Brent hauled me over to Jaron and introduced him. And we actually shared all of this with Jaron, who also seemed to get a kick out of it. He thought it was humorous that Brent. See, see was... and how many times in the last, how many times in the last retreat 
did I did I remind you, Josiah, um, that that like you're you're like the Forrest Gump of the group. Uh, I don't know if you said anything to me either. Maybe you did though. I can't. You said other things. I don't know if it was about seminary. Yeah, but... well, other things. Yeah, of course, but not not, not about. That. <clears throat> well, that's neither here nor there. Going down rabbit holes. How long have you been <laughs> lead pastor at Leavenworth? Um, well, um, uh, um, I, I I've really been the only pastor at Leavenworth. So I I, I say lead pastor. I just say I, I'm I'm the only pastor. I just call it pastor. I leave all the other adjectives off of it. Um, uh, because I, I've, I've worked under lead pastors before, and typically the folks who've had lead pastor titles are the pastors that I've least enjoyed working with. So <laughs> it's that hang up too, um, uh, or preaching pastor or any other corporate style of the of the uh, clergy that uh, I just love. <laughs> um, but I've been there for about a year and a half. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been about a year and a half just this uh, start of the spring. So. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's been an interesting ride. It's been a good ride. You know, we've, we've grown a lot, um, spiritually, uh, not, not statistically, but, um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, yeah, quite a ride. So we ask all of our guests, um, to kind of define in their own words, some things and also express why they're still around the church. Before we talk about why they're still around the church, we want them to define that word. So, if you could give us one, two lines, just what is what is Alex's definition for church? Hmm. Well, the etymology of the word church. No. Is, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, um, I'm not going to give a super theological answer to this. Um, I, just just because we've, we've been preaching out of it uh, multiple times in, in different cycles throughout the, the last year and a half. You know, the church, uh, the church is the, the body of Christ. Um, uh, called by God uh, to to imitate Jesus in the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit, um, it is a, a a unique and uh, sometimes very fluid uh, organism, uh, a one body made up of many members. Very mysterious thing, uh, very hard to fully embrace. Um, not not from like a oh I love this thing, but but to embrace uh, with with some degree of knowledge of total knowledge um, at one time, because it is just so complex and unique um, and in many ways uh, reflects the mystery that is uh, the triune God in it. A very, very unique organism, this church. So that's probably something you've developed an understanding for over time, but at any point in Not your, born with that. <laughs> doubt it, <laughs> have you ever thought about leaving? Uh, the, 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 my current context or, or just the church, the in, church general? in general? Uh, no, I, I've never thought about leaving it. Um, so then why, uh, why have you stuck through it? Why are you still a part of it? Because I'm sure you know, statistically, millennials don't go to church. A majority, sure. a majority don't. So, Well, uh, the, the, uh, the fatalist side of me is, look, this thing's the church. It's got many different, uh, um, in the negative sense, factions within it. And, and I told you, I'm politically minded. I'll find my faction somewhere. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find people who agree with me in this somewhere. Um, I'm not I'm not too terribly worried about that. We may not be that great, but that's OK. That just means we there's there's more there's more room for the snarkiness to come out when there's less people. Uh, we can all get our shots in for sure. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think the reason I, I didn't leave um, was I, I, I do believe in, in Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I believe I believe in the triune God. I, I believe all of this stuff. Um, 
which is which is really a, a more crazy question, I would think, to people <laughs> is, you believe this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. So, no, man, it's it's nuts, and and I I can't. I never have, maybe because of my upbringing, or or maybe just because, um, uh, you know, when I uh, when I go into when I go into things, um, I commit to them wholly. If I'm if I'm not if I if if I'm not gonna commit to it wholly, then I just really don't want to do it. You know, I just yeah. that's that's not my thing. Somebody, I think it was Sophie in our group who. Uh, when I said that the best house in Harry Potter was really Slytherin, um, she said, oh, I can see that. You're really loyal. And I was like, she had some other choice words, too, that I'm still rolling around in my head. Uh, but uh, um, I don't know, dude. Uh, I'm Gryffindor, but that's just hey, numerous online surveys I've taken. That's all. Hey, I have the theory that none of the bad stuff would have happened if Snape and Lily had ended up together. So I, in my opinion, that, James said, said by a true Slytherin. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways. Okay. Next question. Otherwise we're going down a rabbit hole of Harry Potter. Um, <clears throat> what do you love about the church? Um, uh, well, of course I love the, the history of the church, which is a really strange thing to say because I, I know, some of my closest friends who are not uh, churchgoers, uh, who are maybe a little bit more agnostic, and some atheists uh, would say, "Oh, you love the history of the church," and then they'll they'll bring out uh, all of the worst moments, uh, which indeed did happen. Um, they they are they're terrible moments, but there's also within that uh, a, an incredible and a very robust history of um, not simply faithfulness to God, but profound uh, commitment to. To people in the world, uh, people who are neglected, people who are left out, um, the idea of, of the church um, taking the children who are literally uh, left in fields or in the trash heaps, who are unwanted in Greco-Roman society, um, caring for people to to the extent that you are willing to to sell all of your possessions in order to help people. Interesting. Um, the things about the church that we don't like to talk about, because modern American capitalism calls it. Um, communism or socialism or whatever uh, <laughs> that that definitely really did happen yeah um, that is uh that's that and, and again in my my political mindset too um the church uh, has a history of of true power not 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 in the, the the large church sense you know papal power or patriarchal power but power um uh, from a very very vulnerable position and and not only surviving the powers of their day uh, but transforming their their environments in, in the process and uh, that happened I mean huh. that, that was that was something that happened and it happened through women it happened through uh, marginalized peoples uh, it happened over suppers and meals it happened in complete ordinariness and they and they did that um, they did a lot of other stuff too to ensure power uh, very very bad things but you know there's there's a lot of positive so, some good some good mixed in the bad the bad obviously being more focused on oftentimes but that's an interesting answer i'm not sure we've had anyone give that answer for why they love church so thank you thank you for that yeah well my my people don't like to listen to the historical side of it and i don't blame them because it can be a little dry or <laughs> boring so interesting um, i have to put in pictures all right alex so we heard what you think church is why you want to be a part of it or no why you why you're still a part of it what you love but do you think there's stuff that needs fixing as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe just my my context or um, uh, just just my own observations of of uh, 
that are that are also looking back into uh, the history of the church as well um, caused me maybe to think about it in different terms. Um, uh, maybe maybe remembering um, there there are some things that the church needs to remember, and with with that remembering, um, embodying once again. Um, uh, you know, uh, I I think uh, I think in today's church with with the many challenges that we have. Um, if I could really, really simplify things, you've, you've got really two kinds of approaches that I, that I think don't work very well. I don't, not, not just two, but two in particular that I think don't really work. Um, I think there's an approach that says, well, let's try all of these new, like hybrid ways of doing things. Um, let's try this new, uh, uh, church model. Uh, and that's where we get things like seeker sensitive churches, which it's, it's not all bad, but I, I have a lot of reservations about it. Or, or you get folks that say, well, we just need to get back into having revivals. We need to, you know, the, the holiness movement part of, of being in the Church of the Nazarene. I tell people, you know, we got two parents here. Our daddy's John Wesley and our mom is the holiness movement, 19th century holiness movement. And, and, and we <laughs> lean into mama because mama, mama nursed us. Mama cared for us. Mama is, is, is really the thing out of which we come. I mean, we're tied to larger Methodism and Wesleyanism, but Mama, Mama's Mama, you know, that's that's just the way that it typically is for us. And um, and I don't think either one of those things. Um, I don't want to say it's innovation because uh, I don't I don't think that's really innovative. But but trying trying out little hybrid things, um, uh, new models of things, uh, or or simply just trying to pray all of our problems away, not that prayer and repentance and all of those things aren't, aren't important. They are. Um, but I, I think it's, it's really amazing how, how easy it is to forget um, what, what, is, uh, what is said in Scripture, whether you want to take the New Testament version of it or whether you want to take the, the Talmudic version of it where somebody comes to Hillel the elder and says, teach me the Torah while I stand on one leg. And, and he says, okay, um, uh, don't do anything to your neighbor that you don't want done to you. Uh, that's the law in its entirety. Uh, the rest of it is just commentary. And then Jesus would say, you know, love God and love your neighbor. Right. Which was a quote yeah, yeah, from... from the Shema. Um, all, all the way through uh, the New Testament, this, this line, uh, this line of thinking that definitely wasn't always followed by God's people of, of hey, love, love God fully and, and, and holy. Um, you know, don't, 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 don't listen to other powers of the world. Don't try to become great on your own. Um, uh, trust, trust in God, trust in God and God will lead you. God will prepare the way for you. Um, me summarizing many Psalms and Proverbs and, and prophetic words of the Lord. But then also, Hey, you, you take care of people in your society. You're the poor people, the orphans, the widows, the foreigners, um, you know, the, the entitled class today, as, as they are, they are, uh, uh, derided, you know, you, you, you take care of those people. Um, that's, that's, uh, you could, you could say, well, but you're, you're oversimplifying a lot of that stuff. I don't think so. I, I really don't. I, I think when I look at the kingdom message of Jesus, we see a lot of this stuff. Uh, we see a lot of the same line of thinking that Jesus is following right out of it because, as as uh, as it said, you know, the prophets spoke by the spirit of God. They spoke by by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is something that that God wants God's people to not only proclaim to the world, but to actually embody. What a thought. Um, and 
And I, I think that's something we've gotten away from for a lot of reasons, not not because we don't love God or we're not. We live in an affluent world. Westerners like like ourselves live in an affluent world. Um, we live in a, in a in a world that's that's very uh, in terms of our own country is can be can be very patriotic and, and oftentimes bordering on nationalism. Uh, we, we live with a lot of things that that whisper to us that they can they can provide the way for us, which is just another way of, of asking us to declare it God. And, and I, I think that's that's a big challenge for us. And in the process, the fruit, the fruit of following something else that isn't God is uh, you don't care about the poor. You don't care about the marginalized peoples in society. Um, you get into culture wars over people's sexual orientation uh, or over people's uh, um, personal circumstances in life. Um, and then and then when it's convenient for you, you throw all of that stuff away because you need the right person in power. We are called as a people of God to engage with the world around us, whether they are idolizing something or are, you know, yeah. with the with the air quotes I'm going to use sinful or sinners or not holy. Going back to our revivalist roots, it was all predicated on being holy. And so much of that has, I don't know, tainted or given us a bias towards how we see the world around mm-hmm. us and has created this sort of, we're going to withdraw away from, yeah. from the world around us, which seems really, yeah. Our drink of choice is our own personal holiness. Uh, we will get drunk on our own sobriety and piety <laughs> until we are in such a stupor that we are, we are blacked <laughs> out to the world around us. That's, that's what I think is part of our problem. Uh, we are, we are so consumed with our own, understanding of personal personal holiness and whether we're being personally holy which is um uh a very subjective thing to kind of understand to begin with um that that we uh we forget the world around us too um so uh, but we don't want to be too close handful of generations more than that really have 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 grown up with an understanding um that the united states is is a christian nation consecrated to god and follows God. We we are, though not a formally wink, a a sort of theocratic kind of society. So if you if you don't conform to the rules of the theocratic society, um, then you're you're <laughs> not really uh, you're not really wanted here. You know, you're or you're you're a social untouchable. You know, to, to draw upon other systems around the world that classify people as as not only others but others that are that are significantly less than everybody else in the world, whether you're an undocumented immigrant, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a, uh, um, whether you're somebody who is not an American. I grew up in Topeka um, for the third time folks. Um, And, and when I was going to church every Sunday, at least every other Sunday, if not three Sundays out of the four in a month, um, we would get picketed by the Westboro Baptist church. They, I went to school with West. I went. I went to school with Westboro kids. I mean, they. That's where they're they at. Were. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. I can. I, next time you're around these parts, and I'll go peek, and I'll show you where they live. I mean, they're they have their compound there. Um, like tons of fun. Uh, well, they're you know they they would always hold signs and they would use all sorts of pejoratives for people, especially the LGBT plus community. And and one of the things that because um, they they love to pronounce judgment on people. Uh, one of the things that that they would say is is the reason why God's judgment has happened in some way, shape, or form. 9-11 was God's judgment, according to them. Uh, they, they'd even hold up signs that say, God is your terrorist. Um, 
uh, one of the reasons why God's judgment was upon us was not simply um, LGBT plus community members, uh, not simply uh, uh, the existence of, of, uh, of non-Christians in the United States, not simply because of this issue or that issue, but even having people who didn't have any religion at all present in, in, the, in the country, um, whether they're outspoken or not, um, was the reason that God's judgment was upon us. God is judging us because we have the audacity to allow people to be people and to, like, live, you know? So because we have non-Christians or people that would profess to have a different belief system that is not founded on one Jesus Christ. There are a lot of Christians who would consider themselves not hateful bigots, um, not not with their own pages on the Southern Poverty Law <laughs> Center, um, who would probably agree with some of those things that Westboro says um, about God's judgment. In fact, I, without naming the names, and I won't do it again here, but um, there were a lot of prominent evangelical leaders. I mean, people whose names are attached to uh, uh, religious political um, groups um, who, who would say the same thing when Hurricane Katrina happened about New Orleans, about the people from New Orleans, that that was God's judgment upon them because Mardi Gras and lawlessness let you know, let alone that the, the people who were most affected by that storm uh, were the elderly, were the infirmed, were people who couldn't get out because they physically couldn't get out. Well, they were saying the same things about the Las Vegas yeah, shoot. That's how the church really yeah. operated. We may not hold signs that says God hates, you know, pejorative word. We, not, we may not uh, be doing some of the abominable things that Westboro has done um, outside of churches, um, we we just have the decency to say that kind of stuff to people's faces and in our small groups and and on internet chat rooms or whatever the kids are doing these days i don't know i'm not on social media guys so <laughs> so then what's a better way i mean i hear what you're saying i don't i don't disagree yeah. um with the overall theme of what you're kind of sharing is your frustration so it mm-hmm. sounds to me that the church has made a name for itself in some of the worst ways possible, which again, I will a hundred percent agree with that is definitely, I think deeply rooted in why so many of our generation has left. So in your, in your context now, I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with some of that stuff. So what are you doing to, instead of being known by that being kind of maybe, I guess what we could call a bridge burner, what are some things you're doing to be maybe a bridge builder and how has, your local congregation or maybe, you know, your family, your friends responded. Once I, I really started to kind of get the lay of the land where I'm at and, and see um, the, 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 the really, really outstanding things about my people and maybe some of the areas where there's just a little room to grow, um, the things that we do really, really well and the things that um, need to be revisited. And, and in some, some cases, really just they, they need to we need to not focus on on that stuff as much, if at all, because it it doesn't help us. Um, we actually sang a hymn a few weeks ago that none of my people had ever heard of before, but it's in the hymnal. Um, it's uh, I think it's called "When the Church of Jesus Christ," and some hymnals will have it as uh, "When the Church of Jesus Christ Closes Its Outer Door." It's a really long title, um, and there's an I think in the second verse a line about how. Um, how we, we enter into prayer and into intentional formation with God, um, lest our hymns should drug us, is what they say, which is a, a good way of cutting at, um, I think, 
part of the challenges that we have where we, we, we like to get into our routines, not because routines are bad. Routines are, are really good, um, but the wrong routines can be pretty bad. Face by the time it's all said and done, but I'm, I'm probably, probably going to have CTE too before I'm 64. Hey, there's a way to get out of this thing. Um, uh, but I, what, I, well, so, Tide Pods, yeah. Oh, All the cool I, kids would TikTok that, by the way, I, along I with their eating of Tide Pods and all the other dumb yeah, things. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. What? Oh, would sorry. I continuing on, um, we were going to pretend no, like we didn't uh, say so, that. So having having conversations with my people, especially uh, you know my leadership team, my church board, where where we uh, where we just vision cast and we and we talk pretty openly in like a like a lunch kind of setting about so. So what's so what's the lay of the land here? What are our demographics? What are we what are we working with in terms of our community? Um, what are what are some things that are working for us? Uh, what are some things that that maybe are a struggle for us? What are some things that we feel like we're very capable of doing? And what are some things that we we feel like we we don't have the capacity, the resources, the able bodiedness? I have a little bit of an older congregation. You know what 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 can we do? So having those conversations is really good. It is really really long and can be very very painful um just because of the length and and all that you have to do i mean it's it's a journey in and of itself um to have have those kinds of conversations with people um but that's i i knew that that was something that i was going to have to do because the alternative for me was i'm just going to go out and kind of do what i want because i think it's going to work and i think it could produce at least some short-term results and, and as long as they see results, they'll be fine with it. Kind of going around my people. Um, and that's, that's not really, that's not, I, I didn't think that was a very beneficial thing to do because then I become the pastor of whatever group I corral, not the group that I have. And um, uh, I will pastor the group I have until they, um, until they uh, walk away or until they stampede me like Mufasa and I'm done. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, 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 it needs to happen, but it's, it's really, it's a really painful part of the job. The more fun part that I do, uh, that I like to do is, is actually just make straight up contact, uh, with people. Um, uh, a few weeks ago when that, when that mosque shooting in New Zealand occurred, you know, I woke up Friday morning to just kind of seeing that news and, uh, you know, was, I, I wasn't particularly struck by it because I, we've seen those kinds of bigoted attacks before. I mean, even in Kansas out by, by Wichita, I don't, I don't know if it was in Wichita or if it was out just outside of Wichita, you know, somebody, these, these white supremacists had tried to blow up a, a complex that was holding uh, refugees, Somali refugees, most of whom were women and children, you know, that we've seen these kinds of terrible attacks before. And, and it's unfortunate that the church uh, doesn't say more about them. Um, but, knowing knowing that this was just a yet another incident and, and knowing that um, you know this there's there's an opportunity in the incident to make contact i i took uh, my church secretary who's a kind of an elderly gal who who works for us one day a week my wife and i are down to one car and she had the car and my secretary had the car so i'm like all right hey you want to come with me and get some flowers for some folks and she said oh yeah sure and so uh, uh we did we went some and got some flowers and we um uh, we got to uh, take it over to our local mosque and uh, the imam wasn't there, but somebody was there who received him. And he called me later and we ended up having lunch that, that next week. Um, and I got to hear his story 
and I got to tell his story to some folks. He's a guy who, when he was four years old, um, with, with the British on their side, Israel took over uh, the land that he was living in with his family, which he calls Palestine. And they took his house, they raised it to the ground, and he spent the next 14 years of his life living in a tent in the West Bank until he got a scholarship from the UN, got to go to the University of Cairo to study medicine, came to the United States with two other guys to do his residency. One of his guys went north, one of them went south, so he stayed in the middle, ended up in Wichita, Kansas, did his residency there, and then moved to Leavenworth and has been here since the late 60s. Uh, what a life. What a, what a life. And, and he is devoutly uh, Muslim. Man, we talked about that's crazy. You know, the Christian-Muslim relations. We talked about our mutual concern and compassion for the poor, uh, for our community, wanting to take care of people, wanting to make sure that people were not suffering. Um, and, and I got to tell my people about that guy. Um, and, and, I, and, and some of them, because he was supposed to come on a Sunday and he had a family emergency he had to attend to. And some people were like, isn't that, wasn't the, the imam supposed to come to our service? And, and so they're asking about it. They, they ask about just being able to have contact, but we, we've had, we've had other moments of contact um, hmm. where, where it really wasn't my, my doing anything, not me being outgoing, just uh, God's grace working where we've been contacted by Roman Catholics who are another sort of other people group for my people that they just kind of, don't understand and don't trust. And they came and visited and, and shared a meal with our people. They were studying Nazarenes. They were, they were studying Protestant traditions and they chose to study Nazarenes. Yeah. 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 They read your book. They read your book. Um, Wait, what? I remember yeah, that. A, a I remember sister, that. I think I met one of them. A sister from yeah. uh, Benedictine uh, College up in Atchison, Kansas <laughs> came and, and it was uh, the Sunday after our fall retreat, 2018 fall retreat. And, um, you guys came up after, I think, going out to lunch or something because I was taking you to the airport the next morning. And so you got to meet Sister Agnes and, uh, and her friend Emma, and you gave her a copy of your book because you had like 8 million copies of them that you yeah. then left at my house <laughs> um, and, and, and expected me to distribute to people of influence and power. Like, I've got that kind of connection, Josiah. <laughs> and, and she... <laughs> Oh, fine. I exaggerated the number. I'm, of I'm pretty sure that's not exactly how the story. That's cool. We can but, but you know, way. she, uh, uh, you know, just building those, <laughs> those kinds of relationships um, with kind of a people of, of different faith backgrounds. Some of them Christian faith backgrounds, just from from different traditions. Others from different religious backgrounds. Um, and and building those contact moments because in the contact moment, relationships are are able to develop, and uh, and and that's. That's where we begin to, to start talking about, about the things that we don't like to talk about. We just like to have opinions about. Um, we, we like to get the opinion out there and, and be done with it. And, and, that's, and that's what I think is, is, is key to transforming the church, um, uh, not just in terms of, hey, maybe when, when people talk about us, they don't talk about us like we suck. You know, not, not, not that, because I... For one thing, I'm an Oakland Raiders fan, and I live in Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to people talking about me like I suck. You know, that's that's fine. I, I you know, that's. Oh, I mean, that's I, weird. I wish you wouldn't. Uh, I wish you <laughs> wouldn't do that. But um, it, it's more about it's more about um, addressing, I think, a, a larger concern, which is um, we're we're not living into what we are called to live into. Uh, we're not we're not living into our calling as as the body of Christ to 
to address all those peoples we talked about earlier. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not living into our call to be voices of the community and not in a socio-political sense. I mean, in a, uh, when, when something bad happens, when people, when people just need to be supported because they're, they're collapsing from, from whatever life is, is, has thrown at them. They've been hit by the car that is life and somebody, and somebody has to be there. Somebody has got to, to, to care for them. Somebody that they know will care for them no matter what happens in their life. Uh, there was a time where the church community was at least a part of that. And, and that's not there anymore. And it's not because, uh, it's, it's not because of, um, you know, people just having an absolute disdain for the church, though, though many people do. It's, it's because we've lost the right to be there. We've, we've lost the right to be yeah. in those very intimate moments in people's lives and, and to be a part of their lives in general. Um, my church is, is in a neighborhood. Uh, nobody in the neighborhood goes to my church. Uh, and and uh, that's, that's not because they're bad neighbors. They're bad people. It's because yeah. we haven't been good neighbors as a church. Um, so that's, that's what contact really means for me is, um, uh, yeah, it's like... Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, the uh, knowing, no, actually the knowing girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party on SNL. She's like, you know, try being a decent human being for once. You know, that's that's yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> she'll, she'll tell you that, or you know, what you would you ask? For gonna tell you her whole life had. story. I asked for an end to genocide. You know, uh, not not to that extent, <laughs> but but the being a decent human being kind of thing. Which not not that <laughs> not that our people aren't decent human beings. <laughs> But sometimes we do kind of have to act like it in moments that count. You know, you, you, you got to do it. <laughs> well, I think there's a reason yeah. that Jesus shares the parable he does when he's talking about the greatest laws with the teacher of the law. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. You have to kind of know who your neighbor is, which is part of why we play these games we do, because it's really easy to just be dismissive and then allow stereotypes to divide and allow a piece of information about a person to then be the reason why you have written them off completely and decided to completely disengage and burn bridges from those people groups. Um, Because that, and I think it's also poignant why Jesus uses the the characters he does in this parable, because he uses the people, you know, the Levite, the priest, the people that should have actually cared about the the person on the side of the road who was uh, beaten up and hurt. Mm -hmm. And then he, he picks the Samaritan, which would have been, like you used the phrase, the other. Um, and that could have been an interesting right. comparison to today's issues in the Middle East. Would have been almost like a Palestinian running across an Israeli and deciding to help when the Israeli had actual Israeli people coming past and not deciding to do anything. So for me, it's really, it's really poignant. Yeah, yeah, I, we, I think we haven't, we haven't been right. good neighbors. We haven't and, been and, just and unfortunately, neighbors. Um, you know, we we are very committed to we are very committed to a, a, some kind of standard. Um, I won't say I, I don't I don't know what the standard necessarily is because I think it, it varies from person to person. But our understanding of well, what does the Bible say? Um, and and um, I, I'm a I'm a biblical Christian just like every other. Uh, I, I preach from the Bible. Um, I, 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 uh, I allow God to administer wisdom through me, despite my best efforts, um, through the Bible, um, you know, and, and all of that's good, but, 
it's it's in a way we, we have this idea of you know the way that the church needs to be the church is by upholding god's law and god's commands you know we are a people with a law and and i think what we forget on the other end is well we, we might be a people who have a law or have a have a have a, a you know a divine rule book the, the law also has us too though this this isn't this isn't a, a one-way deal here this is a a relationship with God um, and, and a relationship with our neighbor. We, we exist in this unique little, this, this unique little kind of dynamic with the world. And, and I think what we forget about is um, if, if, if we, if we insist so much upon whatever law, uh, whatever, whatever command that, that we are willing to sacrifice our neighbors for, we're willing to sacrifice contact with our neighbors for it then pretty soon that law is not going to have any people because we're all going to die here. And it's not going to have anybody. It's not going to have anybody to follow it afterwards. It yeah. doesn't do any good. Um, and it may be worth mentioning the Bible often refers to this law yeah. by the various yeah. authors yeah. who contributed to the works of the Bible as the law of love. <clears throat> so it might be worth mentioning. Um, yeah. Well, actually I'm going to give you a, a chance for a final thought because we are going to be running short on time here. Um, and what we often do is we do, speaking of love, we do a share the love sponsor where we just want to highlight something or someone who's doing things cool, um, doing good neighbory, loving thy neighbory things. And we think it's worth mentioning. So we're going to do that. But while I'm sharing our share the love sponsor, I want to <laughs> hear one final thought from you, Alex and Byron. If you have anything to chime into, feel free. Um, but the question I want to ask you and I want you to kind of this could be kind of the summary of. Of, of who you are, Alex, or what you're doing in, in your context. What are ways for, for us, if we're thinking about this, maybe this is for our listeners, maybe this is just you thinking on a Sunday morning how to preach this, maybe this is if you had a voice to the church, mm. what can we start doing today to simply be better neighbors tomorrow? That's the question I want to pose to you. While I'm, doing, while I'm sharing the Share the Less Monster, mull it over, and then give me, give me an answer, and then we're going to wrap up the podcast. Our Share the Love sponsor today is a nonprofit parachurch organization called love inc for short it's love in the name of christ that's what the inc stands for if you don't know who they are they're not in every state but they are across the country and they're actually international i guess they have a location in kenya but i think they're in almost every state with maybe two or three exceptions i don't think they're in arizona byron and they're not in utah and I don't know if they're in Hawaii, but they're in most of the country. There might be a couple other states that they, they haven't mentioned. But they're, they're an awesome network that basically exists to help connect churches in ways that they're able to affect more positive change, be better neighbors than they could if they just stayed in their own little corners, in their own little circles. So our local Love, Inc. basically networks every church in the county and is a go-to for if someone calls your church and says, hey, I need help with this. What we do is we say, hey, call Love, Inc. They will point you to the church that helps with that thing. Our local context that my actual church is connected through what we call the wood ministry. So all winter long, people are trying to heat their houses. And a lot of times the primary source of heat in a very forested area is wood. So they these people can go and apply through Love, Inc. And I... And, I'll, and I'm going to say this as kind of a, um, you know, going back to what Alex was saying. One of the questions on there is not, are you Muslim or Christian? I'm just going to point that out. It does not 
matter to to love Inc. if you are professing practicing uh christian you you just they just want to love people they just want to discern if you are capable of getting wood yourself or not that is basically what they do to vet out people so we get a list and once a month we deliver anywhere from eight to ten truckloads of wood to people that have gone through this process and then they're able to have about a month's supply of wood to keep warm with which is really cool they do a bunch of different things and they also just contextualize it whatever your context can do based on the churches that are connected with them uh, then they become this networking resource and they also become like food pantries and they hold like ours holds uh, mm, furniture and a warehouse and clothing and you can get school supplies from them directly from them and a whole bunch of other stuff. So all that to say, if you're in a state or a location, you should go to their website. It's loving.org. I'm going to have it in the description and you could see ways that you can get connected. Either your church can get connected. You can maybe think about starting one up if your state doesn't have one. And you can figure out ways to get connected in either volunteering or just simply networking your church with them so that you can be part of a grander network that is simply uh, trying to be better neighbors, which is what we're talking about. Friends. So have you had time to think about it, Alex? Share life with people and, and share life with them, um, not, not, by, not, not with a, sort of an agenda kind of on your mind, not with the, not with the idea really of, of converting them. Uh, one, and I know people would disagree because I, I don't think I convert anybody. Um, that, that seems to be the role of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm, I'm, I am a millennial. The less work I have to do, the more time <laughs> I can spend watching Parks and Rec and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, looking for Avengers <laughs> Easter eggs, um, which the new trailer <laughs> dropped today. Endgame. What up, man? Um, one of my good friends, one of my favorite people in this world um, is a, a guy I used to work with at Starbucks, Starbies, as we call it, um, or that's the, that's the less profane names that we would call it. Um, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say those names because they, maybe they'll be a sponsor <laughs> one day. I doubt it, but maybe they will be. Um, we, we met there. Dude, dude and I, I have it. no, have, have very Still little Still holding out for avocados common, from Mexico. Um, at, at face value. Uh, he loves taking back Sunday. It's just something from his youth. I, I hate that emo post-punk, pop-punk garbage. Um, it's, it's terrible. Uh, those kids don't know how to play. Their- For but, our listeners um, who don't know, this uh, is a band. <laughs> this is a band, yeah. Taking Back Sunday. It's not, it's not a movement. That was popular and, uh, recently. <laughs> oh, man. It is not a movement. Um, and uh, he loves <laughs> Worth that. mentioning. They, worth noting. He... Uh, He's, he has a, has a very different lifestyle than mine, and he's also um, an atheist or ag- agnostic. I'm not entirely sure where he's at these days with God. He grew up in a very fundamentalistic uh, Christian household and uh, could probably, uh, in terms of quoting the Bible, uh, rock my world. But he, he doesn't follow that, and I, I don't, I don't uh, presume to understand or to judge why. Um, but he's, he's one of my good friends. He was the best man in my wedding, and... Um, I know that God speaks to me through him, that God teaches me how to, how to better follow what Jesus, who I believe in, who I, I believe died for me, rose again for me, and is coming back uh, to, to fulfill uh, the kingdom on earth for me. Um, I, I see all of that through this guy, who, who if I were to ask him to pray for me, um, he may not know how to respond, but I, I think he would. I think he would, even though he, he may not believe in himself. 
Um, how, how many people can say that they know an atheist who they feel comfortable enough to ask them to pray for them and, and trust that that's one going to be received, not in a totally hostile way, um, but also in a, in a, in a way that, uh, Hey, he'd probably give me a hug. Uh, and he's an aggressive hugger. Like he passed the back really hard and it hurts. Um, yeah, dude, I tell him that all the time, and now he does it just to make me mad. Um, <laughs> He's a violent but, hugger. But I, I, yeah, well, and 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 it, it's been we've been friends for for many years. <laughs> Seems right. We, we've built up that relationship, and I, I don't know if he's ever going to um, return to the church. If he's if he's going to believe in God like I believe in God, I, I really don't know that, um, and it's not really for me to know. Um, what I do know is that God works through him. And um, I, I think, again, despite my best efforts, God works through me for him. Um, and, and most of all, I could go over to his house and he can come over to my house and we can eat a meal together. Um, that's the image that we see in Revelation of what God's kingdom is going to look like. Um, that, that is, that's, that's not just how, uh, and, and, and that's not just how the church regains its reputation you know, my friend has said, hey, man, if, if we lived closer, I'd go to your church on Sundays. Uh, wouldn't necessarily believe it. And he has come all the way to Leavenworth to hear me preach once or twice. But uh, it, it's not just about the reputation part. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about living into that possibility, you know, that where two or more are gathered, so is God's spirit. Um, and, and, and maybe that's, that's really what, what the church ought to prioritize in this time is having two or more people gather who don't believe the same thing. In fact, you may not believe any of the same things because the Holy Spirit is, well, I don't want to speak for God, but I, I think the Holy Spirit can be present. I got to check the schedule, but I think, I think the Holy Spirit will be present. Wow. Wait, I, that's I, another I will, thing that maybe me and Byron get to apologize for you or have you back to apologize for. Yeah. But I, I think it's I, actually I just care about people that aren't know like the you. Because why other wouldn't person, there be people? Right? <laughs> like, it's that simple. Like, why would you not? They're human beings. Love yeah. them anyway. I think it's meaningful. It's, it's called the capitalization of Christianity, where Christianity resembles well, our it's marketplace easier. Uh, more than our marketplaces, sure as bleep uh, resemble Christianity. Yeah, honestly i feel like man do you ever feel like uh <laughs> like god loves the pharisees well, just as much as the disciples but at the same time maybe he just got annoyed with the, the pharisees because he had to keep dealing with it like when you deal with children you know you're like you you love kids but there's that one who's <laughs> always getting in trouble and you're just like man i love you but oh you make me so mad these like, days yeah well i think these days um God has less gray hairs because of the true Pharisees, which is why there are prophets. in this world, uh, rabbinical Jews, um, than he does by many evangelical Christians. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. So love, love people, be nice, care about them. There's, there's an epic parable in Luke 10 called yeah. um, the, the Good Samaritan. If you haven't read it, you should go and do that. Well, with that being said, we're going to end this podcast. If you, are a new listener and you feel that we warrant to subscribe, then please do so. If you have listened to a couple and you have figured out how to do the ratings or reviews, and again, you feel like it warrants it, feel free to do so. Don't be like normal internet users. Like constructive feedback would be great, 
Like, hey, I like yeah. this part, but this part kind of wasn't great. Don't okay, be a troll. Can we, can we get better? Can we do better? Sure. Don't let's be try a troll. It. Yeah, my so. favorite my favorite sports radio show host says, "Saying something sucks is not a take." Let All us right? have, have a take. <laughs> have an actual take. Follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Or, as always, if you want to hear more about what millennials like us think, or you like hearing about the faith based work that they are doing, then please join us next time on the Millennial Pastor Podcast.